0: the window on the world an international press review by the european democratic party bringing new weekly news and commentaries that matter hello again and welcome to the 16th episode of the window on the world today is friday 24th of june and in this podcast you will find out more about the latest updates on the russian and ukrainian conflict the cut in russian gas supplies to france and italy the European Commission's proposal to grant candidate member status to Ukraine, and the result of the second round of the French legislative elections. And as always, we will present to you the best editorials and opinion pieces on the outcome of the runoff of the French parliamentary elections and the enlargement of the European Union. And now let's dive right into the most important news of the week. The first update today concerns the war in Ukraine. At the moment, the main theatre of conflict is Severodonetsk, in the east of the country, in the Donbass region. Meanwhile, the war continues to create refugees. According to UNHCR data, the UN Refugees Agency, nearly 5 million Ukrainians have found shelter from the war in European countries. Meanwhile, it is still ongoing, the energy crisis in Europe linked to Russian gas imports. France's energy company GRT Gas stated last week that it has not received any Russian gas since Wednesday, while Italy's state-owned energy company ENI said it would receive only half of its requested shipments. Last Friday was the third day of missed deliveries. Gazprom blamed the reduced flows on maintenance work and lack of equipment caused by sanctions. The German Vice-Chancellor Robert Habeck rejected this explanation and called the reduction a political decision. Since the start of the war, Russia has stopped or limited gas imports to Poland, Bulgaria, Finland, the Netherlands and Denmark. Meanwhile, the European Council is voting on granting candidate member status to Moldova and Ukraine. As proposed last week by the European Commission, the European Council is voting on granting candidate member status to Moldova and Ukraine. On the outcome of the vote, we are expected to learn more at the press conference to be held this afternoon. Let us now change the subject and talk about the second round of the French legislative elections. The polls rewarded Ensemble, the coalition that includes President Macron's party, La République en Marche and the Mouvement démocrate, awarding it 244 seats in parliament out of 577 in total. They are followed by Mélenchon's Nouvelle Union Populaire, Écologique et Sociale Coalition with its 131 seats, Le Pen's Rassemblement National with 89 seats and finally the Union de la droite et du centre with 64 seats. It's a result that shakes the balance of French politics. Macron's party loses its absolute majority in Parliament and will face strong opposition from a Rassemblement National that has earned 10 times as many seats as in the 2017 elections. This is the first time in 20 years that the party of a French president has not won a majority in Parliament. As was the case in the first round, abstentionism remains high. Only 46.2% of eligible voters have voted. We remain on the subject of elections, but let us now go to Spain where local elections were held in Andalusia. Last Sunday, the residents of the autonomous region of Andalusia were called to the polls to renew their regional parliament. The Popular Party gained the most votes with 43.15%, followed by the Socialist Party with 24.1% and the far-right party Vox with 13.5%. As in the French elections, abstentionism was also high. Only 55.9% of eligible voters cast their ballots. For the last update of the day, we leave Europe to go to the Middle East and more specifically to Afghanistan. This week, a major earthquake killed about 1,000 people and left more than 1,500 injured. These are unfortunately provisional numbers and will be updated as rescuers are still digging through the rubble to find those trapped. The earthquake was also commented on by Yanis Lenarchik, European Commissioner for Crisis Management, who said in Afghanistan, the severe humanitarian crisis has been further worsened by an earthquake. It is estimated that 270,000 people living in the affected areas will need assistance. In response, the EU is mobilizing an initial emergency support of 1 million euros. In this first series of today's editorials, we will hear some of the reactions to the result of the second round of the French legislative elections. The first comment on the vote comes from the Spanish newspaper La Vanguardia. For journalist Mario Scarol, Macron will have to govern the ungovernable. Macron now finds himself caught between a radical anti-European left and a reactionary ultra-right. According to the columnist, since his first election, thanks also to an absolute majority in Parliament, Macron has led France on autopilot. An approach he followed even during the election campaign, giving the impression to voters that he has locked himself up in a glass tower. It is now up to Macron to show political courage and change the kind of leadership he has accustomed his country to so far. The French elections concern all of us Europeans, argues Carol. as the French president is a credible leader capable of standing up to Boris Johnson, keeping the Franco-German front united and supporting Zelensky while maintaining an open line with Putin. Therefore, in concluding the editorial, Karol hopes that Macron will find the formula to get his country back on track and continue to co-lead Europe in times of turbulence. The second editorial of the day takes us across the channel and to the British newspaper The Guardian. For Mujtaba Rahman, an analyst at Eurasia Group with the Parliamentary's new composition, France faces the prospect of weeks of messy negotiations to form a new coalition or a minority government. For the columnist, Macron will try to garner the votes of the French Republican Party ahead of the confidence vote on the government later this month. But he is unlikely to be able to count on the Republicans' en bloc. Long and complex negotiations will therefore follow to gather a handful of moderate and centre-right deputies as well as one or two independents. Whichever way it goes, there are now many left and right-wing deputies in parliament who are deeply hostile to the president. Gone are the days when Macron was able to impose his will through a docile parliamentary majority, concludes Rahman, who warns Macron will have to learn to negotiate and compromise two things he's not used to. The French elections have also been closely followed on the other side of the ocean. The latest editorial on the subject takes us to the American newspaper, The Wall Street Journal. For the editorial board of the overseas paper, the only certainty that came out of the French ballot box is a country's future political instability. An agreement between Macron's coalition Ensemble and the Republicans would seem possible, given the closeness on economic issues. But on the other hand no the newspaper's editorial board, several Republican leaders have ruled out a formal coalition. The motivation behind this refusal can be found in the desire not to become irrelevant, reducing themselves to the role of crutch of a weakened leader. The other option would then be to form a minority government, cooperating with the right or the left, depending on the issue. Sunday's results have raised more questions than provided answers. The journalist state. But if Macron wants to avoid that a president who is hostile to NATO, the EU and close to Russia will be sitting in his place five years from now, then he will have to reinvigorate his initial momentum of economic reform despite new legislative handicaps. In an interview on French television, the president of the European Democratic Party, François Beirut, commented on the result of the vote. The French have sent a clear message, you have to change the way you govern, we cannot continue like this. The second set of commentaries of the day deals instead with the issue of granting candidate member status to Ukraine and Moldova. We begin with the Italian newspaper La Repubblica and the editorial by journalist Marta Dasu. According to the journalist, granting candidate member status to Ukraine would be a necessary political stretch. The EU must see itself and act as an international power, not just an economic or commercial one, and make quick decisions, Dasu argues. For the journalist, Putin would be more concerned about EU-Ukraine relations than the latter's entry into NATO. It will be the vote at the next European Council, which acquires unanimity that will show whether the EU is ready to accept the role of leader in safeguarding the security and geopolitical balances on the continent. Otherwise, it will offer a partial victory to Russia, weaken Ukraine and show that it is unable to deal with one of the essential challenges it faces. Despite doubts about the choice, therefore, today is a time for wartime decisions. The war may have tired us out, the editorial closes, but its outcome will mark the dividing line between democratic and authoritarian space in the old continent. The next editorial comes instead from Germany and the Süddeutsche Zeitung newspaper. For Catherine Calvite, Moldova, about whose possible candidacy the European Council is discussing, should also become part of the European project. Moldova, compared to Ukraine, does not yet share the same fate, but is still considered to be in grave danger. Like Ukraine, however, Moldova suffers from poverty, corruption, and its state apparatus is infiltrated by criminal groups and oligarchs close to the Kremlin. The current government, however, is making extensive efforts to eliminate corruption and reform the judiciary system. In addition, partly because of the crisis Russia has thrown Europe into, humanitarian aid for Ukrainian refugees and large loans from Brussels to stabilize the national budget have shown that Moldova is already part of the European family. Putin's threat, Karl White explains in conclusion, leaves us no choice. We stay in Central Europe for the last comment of the day and go to France, to the newspaper Le Monde. For Darren Cholos, MEP and former Romanian Prime Minister, the EU urgently needs to resume the enlargement process. For the MEP, EU enlargement must stop being taboo. All the more so when we look at what has just happened in recent years in the Balkans and Eastern Europe, where Russian influence has supplanted that of the EU. A willingness on the part of an outside country to join the EU involves aspects of political identity and shared values. Deciding whether or not to open the way for them is not a decision to be taken lightly or with only technical and bureaucratic aspects in mind. Moreover, Chiolo stresses it should not be forgotten that the Union and in particular some member states are partially responsible for the Ukrainian situation. Granting them the status of candidate country would be a way for the EU to take responsibility for the current situation. Enlargement will obviously bring with it problems of decision-making in European institutions, states Cholos, but that is why the enlargement process must go hand-in-hand with the process of reforming the functioning of the EU, as recommended by the recent conference on the future of Europe. But it is important that, Cholos argues in closing, Enlargement policy returns to preponderance in the Union. We are at the end of our 16th episode of the podcast, The Window on the World. In closing, we would like to remind you that next week, the G7 meeting will be held in Germany and will be attended by the heads of state of Italy, France, Germany, Japan, the United Kingdom and the United States. But we will update you on this next week. Research and writing for this episode was done by Daniel Ruzza and behind the mic it's me, your host, Gail Rago. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time, take care and goodbye.